Hey, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today, we are back with Peter Wan, who was with us on the last episode. He shared some of his story, and today you're going to hear some of the church scene in Taiwan and what he's doing there. We hope you enjoy the show. I wonder if we'd dive a little bit into your church, Peter, and uh, I know you chatted with Dave offline and um, uh, talked about having a, a young team and a young church. I wondered if you'd just um, kind of paint the picture for us, what that looks like, maybe also speaking into, uh, you know, having that young church, that young team, the opportunities with that, but also the challenges with that as well. Okay. Well, our church is, uh, is young in, in both that we're only three years old, but also the, the the people that made up the church, that makes up the church, and um, and um, the the majority of the people in our church are single, and available, and ready to mingle. So we're always trying to get them to you know. Hey, wait, is, this so, yeah. is this an advert? Is this an advert right now? <laughs> We're making a dating app office. Yeah, this is an advert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, so we, yeah, so we would do these events called Date My Mates, right? So where we would inv- we would encourage them to bring a a, a mate, like an opposite sex, um, a friend from the church that they're not interested in, but they think somebody else might be interested in. And so we do all these different things to get them, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> getting connected, uh, but I think um, and so it's it's a young church. Um, now, obviously, there's there's still older folks, um, but um, and we try to we try to serve them well too. But um, but the majority are younger. Um, so one of the thing uh, is that uh, we have great volunteers because they have a lot of time. They don't, you know, they they're not, you know, they don't have to rush home to take care of the kids. Um, so we just have such incredible group of volunteers, but at the same time, so many of them are so young in their faith. Um, a lot of them are first time, uh, first time, um, you know, this will be like the first ever church experience. And, and so, so, I mean, so that's good. And bad. the good thing is, um, it's their first church experience. They haven't been burned by, you know, previous church experiences and they're, you know, eager to serve. But then at, at the same time, um, you got to really disciple them, make sure they, they, they're not just here for the excitement. Um, they're not just here for the, um, you know, for the, for the atmosphere. They're not just here for the, for the social connections, but they're here because, because, because of the gospel of Jesus and, and what it means to follow God. And um, yeah, and even my team, like my, my, actually my staff team, um, most of them are, are um, uh, most of them are, are very young. Um, some, a lot of them are um, first generation Christians. Some of them have only been Christians for a couple of years. Um, the, the lady that helped build our entire creative ministry, she, she was a flight attendant for 11 years before um, joining us on staff to build our communications and all these things that we do. Um, the guy who helped me build the, um, the, the guest experience uh, he was a graphic designer um, for many years, and now he so he built the guest experience. Now he's building the children ministry for us. Um, the the an, an, another girl who helped build the um, the uh, the our church life, our our small group system, our belong groups. Um, she was a assistant to uh, to the editor of 
Elle magazine in Taiwan for many years. So that was her previous job experience. So we're, we're working with people who have really no experience working in church. Many of them didn't even grow up in a church. So that's that's wonderful, right? Because um, because then you can really do just first principle thinking. Like if this is the task, if this is the uh, if this is what we want to, if this is the problem we want to solve, how do we come with a solution? So you don't have all these baggages and it has to be like this, it has to be like that. We can just tackle the, the problem and, and just try to solve it and come up with creative ways to um, to make things happen. But, but at the same time, that's also a challenge because, because not everything that works is biblical. Not everything that works is of the heart of God, right? And so you got to you got to be able to process all these with them and, and, and like, okay, well, that works, but that's not exactly <laughs> the way to do it. You know, that's, that's, that could build the church, but it wouldn't be a healthy church. Well, that could do this, but it wouldn't, it, it would help us grow fast, but it wouldn't help us go long. And so these are the conversations that we have. And but one of the amazing thing is that the most rewarding thing is that the team right now, even though they're young, um, now they're having conversations with me about how do we grow a healthy church? How do we make sure people are disciple? And I just love that because three, four years ago, these were people I was just discipling, starting out in the faith. Now they're having conversations with me about, man, we got to go deeper. We got to, you know, we can't just be about this. We have to be about more about going deep with God and helping people. So that has been an absolutely rewarding journey just to see them grow. Yeah. So some of, some of the challenges you mentioned there was some of the innovative ideas that could work in other settings, but not necessarily in church. Yeah. That's an interesting place to be, isn't it? For, yeah. for many churches, normally the, the, the other way around. It's the opposite, really. yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, yeah, so- yeah, sometimes, yeah, because people, uh, yeah, because when you grow up in a church where you spend so much time in church, you, you just automatically go to, if you want to do this, you have to do that, and but really, like there are many other ways to go about it, and um, you know, so I think um, so that was one of the, um, the 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 opportunities, but also the challenges that that having a young um, staff team, having a young leadership team provides. Brilliant. So, Peter, I know you've mentioned uh, previously, um, even on this podcast, that um, that the church is relatively new. It's a church plant over the last few years, and obviously. Uh, we're coming out of a lockdown, many countries, all the pandemic stuff. I think people are breathing again. We're at the other side of it. But tell us a little bit for you then, what, what was that like planting the church, getting it going in the midst of the lockdown? What, again, what were the challenges and opportunities <laughs> in that? Yeah, well, I, I'm so thankful that when we started the church, uh, we did not know a pandemic was coming. Because mm. if I did, I don't <laughs> think I would have funded the church. Definitely. Yeah. Because of all the challenges that it comes with. But um, but looking back, I think the pandemic actually helped us grow, and I'll kind of explain what uh, what I mean by that. Um, so we started the church in 2019. Right. So this is one year before the pandemic. So the good thing is we have one year to get it started before things went into lockdown and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so the church was growing, um, you know, that one year, you know, when you first started the church, you're not, you're not, you're just thinking, how do I get people in the doors? Right. How do I make sure they come on Sundays? Like if we're being honest, like it's, you're not really thinking that far down. You're just like, how do I get more 
people in on Sundays. You're not really thinking about all these different ministries or the long term, whatever. And and so that was kind of like the first year for us. And then the pandemic started. And and so we thought, oh my goodness, people can't come anymore. And and we can't do service anymore. So what do we do? So so that's when we started doing online church. So now before that, we we didn't really have a real online presence at all. We we kind of like, like I said, like you're just trying to get people on in on Sundays. You don't we didn't really want to put anything online so people can just watch at home because we want them to come. But that kind of changed everything. So we started had we had to put things online. And so my team and I, we gathered together um, one afternoon and we're just talking. We said, okay, if, every, if everybody's at home, what can we do to reach them? You know, uh, besides just putting our sermons online, because because we can do that, but, but everybody's doing that. And um, there's so many options out there. And, 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 and by the way, people are probably watching Netflix and not watching our sermons. So what do we do? So, so we just start brainstorming and we came up with this idea of a, of a YouTube show called um, Asking for a Friend. So we said, hey, how about let's just do a YouTube show where I'm sitting there with a couple other pastors and, and people can ask us questions about, you know, just any questions, but they're asking for a friend, right? It's not mm-hmm. like, so they ask us anything from like pornography, masturbation, Everything. I don't know if I can say that well on your podcast. Oh, you've said it. It's, it's said it. It's in there. Want to, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we just started making all these. So we would answer questions about faith and sex and, and all these different things, money and just the, the real questions that people have, but they're afraid to ask. So, um, and so we, we start asking, we start recording these and we put them on YouTube and that just went viral. Like, there is somewhere out there uh, uh, a video with like I think you know 150,000 people watching me talk about masturbation or talk about pornography and it's just it just sometimes I think oh my gosh I can't believe it's a video out there of you know and all these people are watching this but but that actually helped all these people who previously were not interested in, in church start watching our YouTube channel and then we will link at the end of the channel um a sermon so they will watch the video which is like you know 10 minutes or so and then they will watch the sermon afterwards and and people start connecting online they started joining us online for church and so when the lockdown ended when we could meet again the church came back with more people like all these people that we didn't even know started showing up and they would tell us well i i started watching um um, asking for and then so I started watching your sermons and I thought, oh man, this is great. So I decided I wanted to come check out the church and then they would get baptized. And so we met so many of these people. And so so in a way, God worked all things good for the love, for the uh, all things together work together for the good of those who love God, not according to his purpose. And so we really saw that work out for us. And so, so yeah, so we actually came up came back out of the lockdown with more people than we had and but it was really it wasn't like we were massive planners or anything it was really just us sitting around the table and then somebody came up with this idea and we started to just go you know why they just do this they just make videos of talking about all these different subjects and so what i learned from that was you know don't be afraid to engage uh, the questions that people actually ask i think sometimes the church were very, very good at 
answering questions that nobody's asking. And then the, the, the ones that people are asking, we're, we're, because uh, we're afraid of how people might look at us. And, you know, and, and you know, and so I think what I learned is, is just, just answer those questions. We didn't have the perfect answers for these questions, but I think people, they, they're not looking for perfect answers. They're just looking for a pastor to be honest about these issues and talking about them. Yeah, definitely, definitely looking for you yeah. to be real in the moment, mm-hmm. aren't they? So, so just uh, you share with us a little bit. Obviously, during that time, your social presence grew on YouTube. What yes. what did that look like before and after? Just to give us a wee bit of um, insight there. Well, before, so like 2019, we have probably you know two, three thousand people subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, and then now it's about uh, I think eighty thousand people. Um, um, and, and so they, and then they were, so that's how we start. And then we started an online campus. So we actually started, um, we, uh, ship our staff around and, you know, one of the staff became an online campus pastor. She, I, I, I call her one day and say, Hey, I need you to become the online campus pastor. She's like, what is that? I said, I don't know. We're figuring it out. <laughs> and, and, um, so because we have all these people, we just, they would tune in like on Sunday live to watch and they would chat on the, on the, on the, on the YouTube chat. And so we start building these teams, volunteer teams that would um, call them up after each um, online broadcast to pray with them. And we were sending gifts. So we're doing all these, uh, we, we, we did our uh, first online baptism a couple, couple of months ago, just, you know, baptizing people through zoom and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and what we found out was because because we're Chinese speaking, so there's um, Chinese people everywhere. So a lot of the people who are watching are actually not located in Taiwan. So they're in places like Malaysia, Singapore, um, even Europe, and all these Chinese speakers that would tune in and watch watch the uh, watch the online uh, watch online church. So it's good just to get that clarity. So when you're preaching and sharing, you're preaching primarily in Chinese, but also. I think you do some English as well, don't you? But primarily, your audience is to Chinese. So I, so we do three services on Sunday. So we broadcast three services out. So the first service I do, I, I would preach in English and have an tr- uh, interpreter on stage. And the interpreter would do a simultaneous translation. So I would say something, she would say something, I would say something, she would say something. So that's our 9.30 um service and then at like 11 30 and at two o'clock it's just me preaching chinese it's the same sermon but um in chinese and um and so then and then at the end of uh after we broadcast them out we take the video down then we just upload the uh the sermon up and we just put it up at so we put up a bilingual one and then uh pure in like a just straightforward english uh chinese sermon on youtube no, that's so good. Just thinking about um, Taiwan and um, maybe the church scene there, uh, for somebody who doesn't know, what does that look like? Uh, what does it look like, uh, you know, kind of like coming out of lockdown? Uh, is it thriving? Is it surviving? Yeah, just give us an idea of what the church scene looks like in Taiwan. Uh, I think um, the I think the churches in Taiwan are facing the same challenges that churches everywhere are facing. I think... Um, I, I've seen a lot of churches really thrive um, in the midst of the pandemic because they're able to pivot really fast into into seizing some of the new opportunities. Um, 
But I, I've also seen a lot of churches struggle. In fact, I actually know a few churches that actually had to close down because of the pandemic and, and they never reopened back up. Um, um, and so I think COVID kind of just accelerated everything, right? I think, um, I think if some churches were already not doing so well, then it kind of just ended the lifespan of that local church a little bit earlier. But um, so I think some churches are struggling. Um, I think the ones who are really thriving are the ones who have pivoted um, fast. I think in, in, in this age that we live in, it's actually not about speed. It's not about doing something fast, but it's about being agile. It's about willing to let go of what you're used to. And I think that's a challenge for all of us, especially leaders, because we kind of, when we have a vision for something, we kind of stake our reputation and stake everything on it. We're like, this is what we need to do. We got to do this. And, and so it's hard for us to say then, well, actually for this next season, we're not going to do that anymore. We got to pivot and shift to something else. And so I think, um, so I think it's more important to be, agile rather than being fast i think um the it's not just about get it done the fastest and the most effective way possible but it's actually um learning to ask the right questions i think being in this pandemic uh we need to be careful to not come up with answers so fast i think we need to we're still in this period where we still need to just ask questions about what what's going on and what is the future of the church going to look like and I don't think we should try to arrive at a conclusion too fast. Um, and I think we should just, you know, stay flexible. And if we can do that, which is really hard for me because uh, I, I'm a planner. I like to plan things out. Like I, I, I really do. I'm like, when I watch Netflix, you know, when people watch Netflix, they, uh, they watch, you know, whatever they want on whatever day they want. For me, it's different. If I watch it on Tuesday night, I will watch this particular show. If I watch it on Wednesday night, I will watch this particular show. So the way I watch Netflix is, is the way we would watch cable TV like 20 years ago, right? Because I like plenty. I like everything to be in order. But so this whole pandemic has just kind of blown that out of the water. So I have to learn to be flexible. And But I've learned when you're flexible, you... um. You, you see God do amazing things. And, and like the whole asking for a friend video that we did, um, that series that we did, um, what I learned is a lot of time, God uses the things that you did not plan, um, that you did not foresee to bring you the biggest increase. And so if you can just be um, agile, be, be faithful, um, be persistent, just heading in the same direction, just, go, just going after God, um, I think it's going to work out at the end. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And I think just coming through the podcast and picking up some of the things that you've been sharing, this idea of being making others the hero of the story, that's really important, yeah. isn't it? You know, putting them first. Mm. And I think it sounds like really God got to the right place at the right time, if I can use that phraseology, really to have an impact with so many uh, people and into their world really I think you were at the right place at the right time as well yeah. and you were prepared to take a risk and I think there's something in that for leaders as well yeah. about being agile being willing to take a risk mm. as well now you mentioned um, when we were chatting previously about the, the sort of percentage of growth within Taiwan with the Christian faith can you just mention that a little bit what does that look like today you know what's the percentage of Christianity in Taiwan and how quickly has that grown? Well, the, the latest uh, stats out of Taiwan is that the nation is about 
I think about eight to 10%, depending on which study you're looking at, that's Christian. So now that might seem quite little, um, like 8%, 10%, but, but considering for the longest time, that number was about two to 3% for about 150 years of Christianity coming into Taiwan. And it's really only in the last 20 to 30 years that that number has moved from that two to 3% to where we are right now. And so I, I think we're in this time when um, I think people are hungry, people are seeking the truth, people are, are flexible. And so I think, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, I think there's so many people out there in, in, in Taiwan, what, wherever people are listening, I, I think it would be true in whichever city or nation they're in. There are always people who are ready um, to hear the gospel. Uh, you know, the, the, the parable of the sower, um, I think shows us that, you know, the majority, 75%, you know, the, this, the, the seed that falls on all these kind of soils and, and it was this last soil that was good. And so only that one out of four soil is good. So maybe there's only 25% of people at any given time who would like to hear what you have to say about the gospel, but, but, but that's enough because if you would just do that consistently, um, and 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 faithfully that you will get a harvest. So I think right now what we're seeing is is the fact that many people over the years, um, leaders and pastors who have gone before me have consistently, persistently just preached the gospel and just did the hard work of the ministry. So I'm here uh, and my generation were able to to reap a reward that we have not, you know, we're, we're reaping a reward that we didn't work for, that somebody else did, but. At the same time, it's a reminder that we got to be sowing into our generation that we might not even see the reward of, but the next generation will. And so I think that's a beautiful picture of God's kingdom because it's not just about us. It's not just about, it's not just about my generation. It's the generations that we're connected to and what God is doing in the bigger picture of things. No. Uh, that That's just amazing. And um, again, uh, you know, speaks into that whole thing around, you know, you, you put yourself in a ministry and you listen to a leader and here now, sure. you know, you're speaking about, mm. you know, the generations before and you're reaping a harvest of that. And I think that whole generation and legacy thing is so important. Um, like who, who has been your greatest inspiration and uh, why have they been your greatest inspiration? Um, one of, uh, so I think it, it depends on which areas of my life, but in terms of ministry, one of the pastors that has influenced me the, the most uh, early on in my life was uh, the pastor I was uh, working for when I was in seminary. So I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I don't know, I know most people probably have never heard of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think Michael Todd from Transformation Church made the city famous. Before that, most people have not heard of Tulsa, Oklahoma. When I was there, definitely most people have not heard of the city. But uh, um, but when I was in the city, um, I was uh, going to school and I was working uh, for a pastor, um, uh, Pastor Greg. And he he started a church that ministered to the homeless uh, in, in downtown Tulsa. And so the church has about 100 people. The majority of them, 80% of them are homeless. It's about 20 of them, um, 20% that have, you know, have jobs, but the majority are, are homeless. And, and so I was working for him and, um, and he taught me a lot about ministry. I remember 
um, every Sunday we would uh, cook a meal for the homeless. So we would do church on Sundays, but before we would do church, we would have to cook. We would cook breakfast for about a hundred people, right? So these are homeless people coming in. They get a meal and they get a message. That's what they get. And and so I was in charge of cooking uh, cooking the meal every Sunday. So I was working together with um, uh, another friend. Um, he he used to work. He used to be a chef in the U.S. Army, so he's used to cooking for a lot of people. So he taught me how to cook for a hundred people. And and because we're making breakfast every Sunday, so we we would make scramble eggs. Now, one time I was making these scramble eggs. Right, we're, we have like hundreds of eggs. We're beating all the eggs, and it's tiring to beat a hundred eggs at a time. I don't know if you ever beat like just even five eggs. It's hard. So try imagine with a spatula beating you know close to a hundred eggs at a time. My my arm felt like it was going to fall off. So I was doing that one day, you know, beating just beating the eggs, right? My the pastor Greg he walked in and he he saw me beating eggs and I was sweating and he said this to me. He says, "Hey Peter, you know um most he says most homeless ministry most um most ministry that minister to the homeless when they make scramble eggs for the homeless they will buy these powder eggs. Um, I don't know if you have those in the UK, but powder eggs are these they're like." They're supposedly made from real eggs, but they're just powder, and you put them in hot water, and it makes it. You know, it, it looks like scrambled egg, but it tastes like scrambled egg, but it's not really scrambled egg. And he says most, most, uh, most homeless ministry would just use that. He says, but um, he says we don't have a lot of money in this church, but we can afford real eggs, and so we're gonna use real eggs because people are worth it. And and that stuck with me. He says because people are worth it, and that one sentence has really formed the um, just you know the uh, how I do ministry. Um, um, people are worth it, and so it was really through him and when I saw that the heart that he would pour into these people because these people you know you, know, you love on them and really they they don't give you anything in return. They're not volunteering at church. They're not doing anything else for you. They're just showing up. You know, and um, but he really taught me how to love these people, and I think that that one lesson has impacted me, impacted me the most over all these years. Brilliant. Well, Peter, it's been great to be chatting with you today. We've got one final question we love to ask all our guests, which is this: It is what's the one question that no one's asking you that you wish they would, and what is the answer to that question? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I. Um, as a pastor, I think people are always asking me what they should do, mm. and I I will I will wish people would stop asking me what they should do because first of all, I don't know their situations. I don't want to give bad advices. I don't want to say do this and not knowing exactly what they're going through. But I wish people would ask me more about not on what to do but how to think. Um, I think that's more important. I think. I think Jesus really showed us this. I think people will always come to him with questions. And he really just gave a straightforward answer because I think he realized the, the issue is not, it's not that people don't have the answer, it's people have been asking the wrong questions. And if you're asking the wrong questions, if you're not asking the right questions, if, you, uh, if you're not asking the right questions, you'll never arrive at the right answers. And so he will always reframe the questions um, and then give an answer to it. 
And, and so he was changing the way people would ask questions and the way people would think. So I wish people would do that more. Um, interestingly, in, in Chinese, the word for knowledge um, in Chinese is xue wen. And the, 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 the phrase xue wen literally means learning how to ask a question. So the word for knowledge is not knowing something, it's learning how to ask a question. And I think, I think that there's some truth there, you know. So I, I wish people would stop asking me what to do because I, most of the time I really don't know what they should do. And uh, I don't want them to do something and then blame me afterwards if it didn't work out. But <laughs> I wish they can just ask, hey, just teach me the way you think. And, um, yeah. and I think that would probably help help all of us, you know, if we can learn how to ask the right questions. Definitely. A great, yeah. a, a great answer there. Yeah, an amazing answer. Peter, if people wanted to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to kind of like follow you, follow what you're doing there in Taiwan? Well, I, I think the best thing if you're on social media is uh, is not to follow me because my, my, my Instagram is very boring. It's I don't have a team managing it. It's just me posting pictures of my kids and what I'm eating. So I don't think you'll find that interesting at all. Um, but, <laughs> but if people want to know what I'm doing, just go to our church uh, Instagram. It's, um, on Instagram, it's at uh, thehope.co. Thehope.co. Or people can go on YouTube. Um, just type in the hope. I think they'll find it. Um, yeah, I think most of your listeners will be English speaking. Uh, we do have some English contents there, but uh, but the majority of them are in Chinese. But if you're interested to see what God is doing yeah. in Asia, yeah. check us out. Definitely, that's great. That. Yeah, it's been so good, uh, Peter. And want to say a big thank you. Uh, for being with us on the Church Explained podcast. And uh, just want to say to everyone who's listening, wherever you're consuming this content, if you uh, can like, share, um, subscribe, however you're consuming this content, that that makes a big difference uh, to us here at the Church Explained podcast. But we're looking forward to the next time on the Church Explained podcast, and we can't wait to have you with us. We'll see you soon.